Welcome back, everybody, to Pop Pop, the Pop Culture Podcast. I am the LA nerd, Joel Reeves, and with me, as always, Taylor Salem. Hey, yo. How's it going, everybody? And Lauren Sperling. Hi, friends. This is episode 61. We haven't titled it yet, but it'll be titled Whatever the Fuck I Want. Uh, Taylor, roll me those sweet, smooth jams. Wooka wooka. Ah, okay. Uh, fucking what we've been watching, I guess, right? Indeed. Don't sound so excited. Yeah. Joel's favorite part of the podcast. I, there's just not, you know, I'm just, the things I'm watching, I don't really care to talk about. Yeah. Except for Schmodown. Because I mainly, I mainly watch it. Yeah, well, I do love Schmodown. <laughs> I'm mainly watching trash television right now. So I'm That's on like my okay. 80th season of 90 Day Fiance. It's okay, dude. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody copes with the pandemic differently. It's fine. Yep. I love trash television regardless. I guess I'll go first. Um, lots of 90 Day Fiance. Um, no, I watched uh, Seth Rogen's Americ- In American Pickle, um, which was on HBO Max, which is not where I watched it because fuck HBO Max. Um, it was good. It was funny. Um, I think... It was a little shallow. There was like a deeper message, but they really only kind of like scratched the surface of it, which was fine. You know, it's a, it's like a Seth Rogen comedy film. Um, it had a lot more heart than say something like a pineapple express. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot more serious than that. It had to deal a lot with like being Jewish and like, you know, like his ancestors and like what family means. Um, okay. I'd like to know how much of it is like, well, no, I think it's based on a book, right? So, yeah, I don't think... Mm. It, I think so. Yeah, but I'd like to know how much he took from his own life to put into the movie outside of, like, sure, basing yeah. it on the book. Um, I liked it. I laughed. Uh, it was funny. I would recommend it to people that like Seth Rogen. That's nice. about it. There's nothing amazing to say about it. Yeah, I mean, isn't this... Uh, I believe, at least, this is um, Seth Rogen's first sort of, like, dual role, if you will, right? Yes, he did play both characters... Yeah. He does a really good, like, old oh, Polish okay. guy accent, which was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, nice. And just, just so people yeah. know, I don't think, like, this is necessarily a spoiler because it's all in the trailer. But basically, the story is about uh, Seth Rogen's uh, older character, I guess. Like, his in the 1900s or whatever, he essentially gets pickled um, mm-hmm. and, like, wakes up in the 21st century and, like, discovers his grandson. And so those are... Kind of, oh that's kind gosh. of the, the the dynamic that's uh that's happening there so it's it's a weird concept. Yeah, i've been having a hard time so, describing it to people because i keep saying like the older seth rogan but they're supposed to be like the same age yeah yeah just from a different century yeah. got it okay yeah. so instead of like being embalmed he was pickled alive basically yeah yeah got it yeah. explain it okay. in like a really f- like it's explained well it's like i said it's yeah. funny. I would watch it again, but it's not something that I'm going to be like, if you don't watch this movie, you missed out on 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say that um, it, so it was based on 
a short story, a, a short story called Sellout by an author named Simon Rich. Yeah, but I think this is also notable too, and it actually kind of makes me want to watch it more. Is um, this is Brandon Trouss's uh, directorial debut? And if you're not familiar with Brandon Trouss, he's a pretty I'm prolific um, uh, cinematographer. Actually, the first time I ever heard of his work was. Um, he he shot a uh, crank high voltage the crank sequel and so oh, yes. and so i'm familiar with with his work that's kind of where i like really i you know obviously watched a lot of bts and stuff like that and he uh shot mcgruber um he shot uh let's nice. see lords lords of salem uh shot this is the end both neighbors movies the interview um pop wow. star Disaster art. So I mean, this guy's like been pretty, so pretty a lot prolific. Of my favorite comedies. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the last ten years he's been a pretty freaking prolific as a cinematographer. So it's kind of cool to just see him, you know, get to do something a little different. I'm ashamed at being like a 14 year old boy and enjoying the crank movies. Oh yeah, dude, they're they're the best. Like I I apologize to everybody who I was like let's go see Crank this weekend. <laughs> Dude, no way, man! I was I had, the first movie I had no idea what it was and and we just went in and I was like oh my god this movie's crazy in the best way yeah because possible. we were fucking like fourteen yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's no way today I'm gonna find it hilarious that he's like I have to keep my heart rate up let's fucking public like yeah. that's so <laughs> stupid yeah so bad yep the um. Especially in Crank High Voltage, the uh, the horse track scene, the horse race scene is ridiculous. Yeah, they're all so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I've really watched anything else. Um, I've been showing my Lauren, um, You're the Worst, and we just finished that. So I've been watching that, but I've seen that a thousand times. I talk about that on the podcast any chance I get. Still amazing. Season finale is <laughs> still one of the best season finales of series finales sorry of any comedy i think i've ever seen um so yeah go watch that again i guess nice. i'll never not say that and with that i guess moving on to taylor unless you guys Beautiful. want to hear me talk about Beautiful 90 day fiance for like an hour mm, i think I mean, i'll pass thanks so. though i mean maybe. all right then who's next it depends on my mood <laughs> uh yeah i guess i can go next um i haven't been watching too much um, but, I, you know, I, of course, I do have a few things, as always. Um, so finally had a chance to finish up Umbrella Academy. Um, obviously, no spoilers, because I know, Lauren, you haven't finished it. And, Joel, you haven't started it. Um, but I did want to follow up on this since I, since I finished it from last week. Um, I haven't finished season one. So, well, that's, what I'm, that's why I said you haven't started it. <laughs> yeah, I, meant, yeah. I meant the series as a whole. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, without getting into spoilers, I think this... this uh, as I sort of alluded to... Last week, I think this season is a, a pretty pretty big improvement overall um, in terms of quality and the storytelling and all that stuff. I think they really take the characters into some unique situations and um, really explore them in ways that uh, they didn't um, in season one. And, you know, uh, I think it, it, it works really well. Um, I will say that the last episode of the show is kind of insane in a good way. Um, and it really makes you excited for um, what's to come afterwards. So uh, I'm glad to hear this because I felt like with season one, I was watching because I was a fan of the comics. Um, you know, like it was it was good, 
but I, it, it wasn't enough. Obviously it wasn't enough because I didn't finish it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like that. Oh fuck. I got to watch the next episode. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's good to hear that season two is better. It, mm-hmm. it, it kind of uh, inspires me to finish season one so I can get to that superior product. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, it's uh it's not that the first season's bad. Um, I think it's just like a lot of setup and, and a lot of character development, you know, whereas mm-hmm. this one is um, a nice mixture of like, you know, uh, character development plus plot progression plus sort of the um, kind of canony things, I guess, if you will, you know, the world building mm-hmm. elements. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, I'm sure we'll probably revisit it once once you guys can get around to it, but um, I high, highly recommend uh, so beyond that, I also did uh, a double feature actually um, on Disney Plus, and it's a grindhouse. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> the grindhouse, the the Tarantino edition, um, and it was actually kind of unintended. Um, but uh, my wife and I basically watched um, two documentaries on Disney Plus about sort of the Renaissance era of Disney animation, mm-hmm. um, which you know, of course, is. Uh, widely regarded as perhaps you know some of the, the most one of the most influential string of of movies to ever be released you know from like 89 to 94 we all know disney was just on fire um yeah. and so the first one we watched uh was a movie called waking sleeping beauty and it's exactly about that it's about um sort of the formation of 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 the renaissance um era of, of disney animation and how they sort of came from obscurity from you know, movies in the 80s like The Black Cauldron and all these sort of like weird animation leaps that they were trying to make that that just, you know, weren't really doing it for the company um, and basically tracks uh, all the way up to, I believe, I want to say it's Lion King. Um, so they, you know, they cover Little Mermaid, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and of course, Lion King, all these classic movies. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really wonderful, really informative. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it's pretty much, it's, it's one of those documentaries that's pretty much told exclusively through BTS footage. I mean, there are some interview clips, but, um, it's mostly audio and not a lot of talking heads, which, which I enjoyed because, you know, with documentaries, it's really easy to just have it be a bunch of talking heads with some like, you know, over some images that are moving basically that, you know, that Mm -hmm. are keyframed or whatever. And so I just thought it was it was really kind of impressive that they still had all this footage and, and were able to, you know, sort of give a glimpse into into what it was like around that time. Um, yeah, that's cool, especially since, you know, they didn't start the archives till a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. So. And I mean, you know, when it comes to their product, they're going to have it forever. When it comes to Fox's product, <laughs> where'd it go? It's probably already gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah, and and so it's just kind of mind blowing that like not only that they had this footage in in an era where it was like either film or video, you know what I mean? Like it's not like, I mean, video cameras were around, but it's not like digital camera technology today, you know. And so it's just kind of a kind of amazing that they were able to capture all this footage, uh, but b like also you know because it's almost exclusively that used in the movie, it's kind of mind blowing to. Um, basically think about all the footage that you didn't see and like all the little things that happen. I don't know. That's just kind of where my mind went when I was, you know, after watching the documentary and it's just, uh, yeah, it's really well put together. One of the better documentaries I've seen on Disney plus. So after that, 
um, we watched a, a movie called Howard. Uh, have you guys heard of this film? I have. The Duck? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that's the, the, <laughs> there is a Howard the Duck, but it's not that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Howard Ashman, right? Yes, indeed. And it's a documentary about Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman the Duck. That's his yeah. middle name, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, basically a, a, a movie about um, Howard Ashman's life and sort of how he came to prominence. And um, for those of you that don't know, I mean, this guy, uh, Howard, along with um, Alan Menken, were the two mm-hmm. songwriters slash composers that basically wrote all the famous songs for the Disney Renaissance era. Um, you know, all the, the just classic after classic, you know, banger after banger hits just left and right. And basically, that old school Disney soundtrack fucking slaps. Yeah, I mean, it re- <laughs> they they really do. Like that's the thing. Um, and yeah, for those of you who don't know, I mean, this is pretty pretty um, well known knowledge. But um, Howard Ashman actually, unfortunately, died of AIDS um, in March '91, and mm-hmm. uh, he was basically in his prime at the age of forty. Um, and so the movie just kind of memorializes him and takes a look back on all his work and. You know, obviously, there's a lot uh, of bits in there about his personal life. It doesn't really like hold back on those elements, which I mm-hmm. really appreciated, especially for a Disney documentary. I mean, it really goes into the whole, um, you know, his sexuality um, and how yeah. that influenced. Yeah, wow, how very un Disney of them. I mean, it it, it really is. Um, yeah. But you know, this is also this is also a time when, um, you know, basically Howard Ashman didn't really come out of the closet until really late in his life. Um, and, you know, when he, people found out that he had AIDS, obviously, this is during the kind of the, the epidemic, the height. I don't want to say the height, yeah. but it was pretty close to the height of the AIDS epidemic. And, yeah. you know, there's the, there's also the the whole there's a whole plot line about um, like whether, you know, like Howard essentially like being able to keep his job, being able to keep his insurance um and about whether or not that kind of stuff, whether he would be um, essentially punished uh, by the company for essentially being gay and having those things taken away. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's, it's, it's just got a lot of levels going on with um, with sort of his story. And, uh, yeah, I found it really moving, really, really, uh, really interesting. And I would obviously recommend it, um, even more so than, than waking sleeping beauty. And, and like I said, that's kind of why it's a really interesting double feature. You know, um, you sort of have the, 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 the narrative Disney gloss over version of like, you know, uh, of this moment, this era in history, and then the more personal version and unfiltered version in Howard of that moment in history. So, it's really interesting, and I would recommend watching both films. You know, even if you can't watch them together. So, that's nice. what uh, that's what I've been watching. Yeah, I've heard from other people as well. Really good things about the Howard documentary. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's definitely been on my list. <laughs> it's solid. Um, I have had a lot of other stuff I've had to deal with this week, so I haven't had a lot of TV time. Um, I'm almost done with Umbrella Academy. I uh, I have. One episode left, and Oof. man, am I sitting on a cliff cliffhanger right now? Um, I really want to know more about what just happened, but hopefully, uh, you know, by next week I'll be able to to fit that last episode in. Because um, I also, you know, we talked about it last time, but I'm also enjoying the season a lot, and um, you know, I've watched 
a lot more episodes since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you know, fairly solid. Um, you know, things are, things are intriguing. I want to keep watching more and more episodes. So yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Definitely. Um, other than that, just still slowly catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So we're in the, the most nice. recent season, but I think we've got like half the season left. So that's watch. season seven? seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't remember if it's six or seven. I haven't. I think it's six. Okay. Yeah. Season. All right. That's right. I think they were starting production on seven when all this happened. Yeah. So. And then they're like, well, we had to throw all that out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Rewrite everything. Mm, pretty Big much. Yikes um, on that one, guys. Yeah, I know. But uh, that's that's it for me on what we've been watching this week, I think. Nice. Quick Dope. and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a big thing that happened literally right after we podcasted last week mm-hmm. was that uh, the Captain Marvel 2 director was announced, and it is none other than Candyman reboot director Nia DaCosta. Say her name. Yeah. Say her name. It's not Jordan Peele's Candyman. It's Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Remember when it was going to be Jordan Peele's Candyman? Mm-hmm. I don't think he was ever truly going to direct it, though. I think that's the thing. Is everybody you don't think just, so? No, because everybody still calls it Jordan Peele's Candyman. And it's like, if you guys knew anything about this movie, you know that he's not directing it. You know, it's like, um, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, like, uh, like Poltergeist, for instance, was like uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, but you don't call that Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist, you know? Like it just doesn't, right. just doesn't make he sense. He probably does. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> actually, I haven't seen Poltergeist in like a really long time. I need to revisit that. Yeah, uh, uh, Taylor, what do you know about her before besides that she's doing this and she just ta- she just finished Candyman? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I actually haven't seen this. So Candyman is her is her sophomore. Uh, feature efforts um the her first film uh, little woods actually starring tessa thompson herself mm-hmm. um oh, I, wow. have, I have not seen but i've heard obviously great things and um you know basically uh nita costa has been uh, taken under jordan peele's wing as sort of like one of his you know proteges um you know and and you know uh, i think that kind of speaks for itself in terms of in terms of uh, her abilities as a filmmaker um, she did, uh, get, uh, her start from, um, what is it? The Sundance, uh, writer's lab, I believe it is. So that's kind of, oh, she got accepted in there in, I want to say 2015 or, uh, I think it's, yeah, 2015. Um, and that sort of gave her start, um, and obviously allowed her to, to make uh, little woods, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Candyman. Um, again, I haven't really seen too much of her work, um, but nevertheless, really, really excited about the promise of of this um, for Captain Marvel. Yeah, Lauren, what about you? Yeah, I think it's I think it's exciting. I'm glad that they're kind of reaching outside of the box for uh, lack of a better term, um, you know, and and uh, choosing not only a woman this time, but a person of color as well, um, or a woman of color. Um, And I just hope that they let her have full reins this time. Yeah. So that's, that's my only uh, trepidation on it, but I I think it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who was saying it, 
but it may have been RB three on SEN live Taylor. Um, mm. But that the first Captain Marvel, like it wasn't bad, but it wasn't amazing because, you know, it, it because it had because most of it was like in the 90s or whatever, it kind of had to feel a certain way, kind of had to have a certain style. Um, and so the directors didn't really get to, you know, put their spin on it. And now that it's probably going to be in modern times, um, I think Nia probably has uh, more reign of being able to, like you just said, Lauren, to kind of make it her own, to kind of do what she wants with it, not to make it feel like a 90s movie or, you know, it doesn't have to be set in a certain time period. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just also hope that they don't slap another male director on the project in the middle of production once again. Yeah, that's... um... Well, I mean, to be fair, Anna Bowden and, and Ryan Fleck have always been like a directing duo, um, you know, so for Captain Marvel, it's not like necessarily they, they just brought some male director on, you know, during production or whatever. But, you know, at the same time with someone who's um, who's essentially only made two films, like going into the system, the Marvel system, you know, the Marvel machine, that can sometimes... You don't have to get chewed up maybe yes that can sometimes eat directors up and you know it's it's uh we'll have to see but um i have a really good feeling about this i mean you know like you said lauren uh, the first woman of color um and the second black person to ever you know helm a marvel film um that's pretty big significant you know um it's a significant thing and I think yeah, there's yeah. something to be said for that which ironically enough that's kind of a theme i guess one of a mini theme on this uh, on this podcast is, you know, um, women of color finally sort of, you know, getting an opportunity to, to be in the limelight. Uh, and I think the thing that's most exciting for me about this movie is the fact that like, you know, like you said, the first movie was kind of restrained by like the style and the time period and all these things. And, you know, despite it being whenever it's set, I think the idea of like actually going to space and like just balls to the wall not yeah. necessarily space opera, but like that kind of feeling where it's this grand story, you know, and yeah. um, and you're really, really getting into the cosmic side of things. Like, I think that's kind of the um, the most appealing thing for me about this movie. And yeah. we'll, we'll see how weird Candyman gets, but I have a feeling that like Nia, Nia DaCosta like can 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 I don't know. I just get that feeling that she has the ability to to potentially just like make a really really weird two hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so, man. And it's like, as as someone so new to directing, I mean, obviously you're not going to say no, but like, no. how terrifying is it when you see people like, you know, Edgar Wright and Joss Whedon, um, all, you know, these like these, for, you know, they had both been seasoned directors to to some degree to have yeah. them speak out against Marvel, you know, admitting that like, you know, like they kind of like lost faith in you know their their fucking creativity because of the system and you know it you know if 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 people like that can't survive the gears like as as a new director are you afraid or are you just like i mean i'm not gonna say no to the paycheck yeah yeah i mean i i think it kind of goes it could go either way for sure um but the reason i at least at the moment kind of have faith like taylor does is for two reasons number one marvel seems to have you know while they are they are the machine and they have you know their set ways and stuff it seems like they've been a little bit more open the last few films 
for oh, I that mean, Scott Derrickson has Scott Derrickson just recently exited. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. it's not like this. You know, I, yeah, the Ant Man stuff was like fucking like eleven well, years ago. That was ago that was all that was the, all Pearl Mutter stuff. You know, once Pearl right. Mutter went away, then yeah. the movies started to get more interesting and kind of more. Right, weird. but I mean, like bringing Taika in, like yeah, obviously, you know, some some more interesting choices um, that might have less traditional ways of doing stuff. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I think it she might stand a better chance now, but also she has worked with Tessa Thompson before, so she might have some kind of insight knowledge going into that mm. now. Very true. Um, if yeah. you know if they do have a you know continued relationship after there. Yeah, yeah, so. and I think the distinction for me, like especially for for directors who work really well in the Marvel system and directors who absolutely don't, is it for me? It really just comes down to like. Um, whether that person is an auteur, right? People like mm-hmm. yeah. um, Edgar, Joss, like those are auteur filmmakers. You know, they have a very, very specific vision, especially because they often write their own movies too. And when they, someone wants to stray from that vision, you know, it t- that's when it tends to get a little bit dicey. But for someone who's not an auteur filmmaker, and, and, you know, for it's, again, it's tough to say because I haven't really seen any of her work. So it's like the jury for me, at least, is still out on that front of, as to what type of filmmaker um, she is. But uh, but you know I I feel like the people who are the most successful in 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 the Marvel system are the people who aren't the auteur filmmakers. You know the Peyton Reeds, right. John Favreau to a certain extent, even though he kind of ended up you know doing his own thing. Um, I, with the exception of Alan Taylor, who isn't necessarily an auteur filmmaker but more of a journeyman. Um, you know I think that that those type of people um, tend to usually have the most success in the Marvel system. Yeah, I find it funny that you know, it's like being such a big and not just Disney, but being a big film studio, knowing you want things done your way. And then there was that that trend of hiring those indie auteur filmmakers to make your superhero movies like Mark mm-hmm. Webb, like Joss Whedon, like Edgar Wright. It's like if you yeah. know you if you know you're not going to let them do what they want to do, why the fuck are you hiring them in the first place? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. It's it's tricky because like I think it's easy to like have the same like you go into a meeting in Hollywood and it's like you're talking generalities and nothing specific and you know everything sounds good and then you know as you get along like those ideologies sometimes can tend to to grow apart and to divide into a certain respect and I think it's I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's a little more complicated than that you know what I mean um, and yes you know. S- s- some of these people should probably be able to see the forest for the trees, but you know, uh, to use a really cheesy metaphor, but, um, that is a metaphor, my bro. Uh, but nevertheless, like, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to make one of these movies and and to have a a huge, you know, 200 million, $250 million canvas to work with. So, um, you know, we'll see, but, uh, exciting stuff for Captain Marvel too. And I think it actually kind of, at least in terms of the film, side of things like really kind of pushes that up there for me in terms of my most anticipated MCU movies. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited for it for sure. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's move on from that. Uh, Lauren, tell us about this, a league of their own reboot. Uh, yeah. So I don't know a ton about it. Um, but I do know that I'm excited by the cast. 
Um, I do. I'm assuming you guys both know a league of their own. Of course. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's you know I think it's kind of a classic film. Um, you know, great cast, and so I'm a little little hesitant that they're making it into a series. Um, but it is coming to Amazon. Um, and it is co-created and executive produced by Abby Jacobson from Broad, Broad City fame. That's um, what makes me most excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I never super got into Broad City, but I've heard good things. Um, but the cast is Jacobson will be starring in it as well. Uh, with Shante Adams and then Darcy Carden, mm. who I love. I love and her. So I saw much. her picture and I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so good. She's um, the um, what's it called in The Good Place? Um, uh, she's the Janet. Thank you, Janet. Yeah, that's right. Yes. The Janet. Um, yeah, and it you know it's got a, a a really good lineup, and so I'm cautiously optimistic about it because I love the story. I love the premise of the original movie. So it'll be interesting to see if they're basically taking those characters and putting them into the TV show, or if they're just kind of doing the similar world of the females in baseball. Um, and it's a whole new cast of, of characters I, that I don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. They actually um, already shot the pilot and this has obviously been mm-hmm. picked, but like ordered to series. So that's a good sign. Right. Um, I actually haven't seen a league of their own since I would say probably in at least a decade, like maybe even longer. Um, I need to go back and rewatch that, especially now. Like I think that that story has a significant amount of relevance, um, you know, considering everything that's happened with me too and all that stuff in the last few years. Yeah, I, it's like I'm not excited about the IP in general, but having mm-hmm. Abby attached to it, you know, is yeah. probably going to bring other fans to it that maybe don't give a shit about a league of their own. Um, so yeah, it'll be exciting. Yeah, um, and I will say that I don't know too many of these names, but it looks like a pretty diverse cast. So you know, yeah. that's that's really cool to at least like put that sort of spin on it and and make it something different. Um, than the film was to a certain extent. Absolutely. Uh, moving on this guys, I know this news is going to break your heart. I know you guys were really excited for the Quentin Tarantino star Trek movie, Oh man! but it looks like he's dropped out of it. Um, does, does it say whether he's dropped out to direct or to write and direct? He's not doing it at all anymore. Okay. I mean, I'm not. But that leaves the question of was um, Hollywood his last movie? Was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood his last film? Well, he's he's been trying. He's said for a long time he wants to quit after his tenth movie. So I still see that he's definitely got one more in the tank. You know, the question is is like when will we get it? You know, is it going to be a Kubrick situation where it's like we have to wait twelve years to like see in his final movie, or is he just going to like? make it and then move on to the next phase of his life slash career. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I think the only thing it would be a last kill bill film. As much as I want to see kill bill volume three, the, 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 
the more time that passes from those first two movies, I just I just don't see that happening. Nor do I think it's a smart idea. Um, but that's just me. I I just feel like that's the only thing I've heard him ever talk about. Um, oh, well, he's talked about it. But I mean, you didn't hear him talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then he just you know wrote that movie and ended up making yeah. it. You know, so that's true. That's true. I, I mean, I just, it blows my mind that someone who has such a cult fan base is just like, eh. I think I'm done. done. <laughs> well, he like, said what? He's done directing. I I would honestly be really really surprised if Quentin Tarantino like stopped directing but kept writing, you know, whether it be screenplays yeah. or maybe even a novel or 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 a graphic novel or stuff. Like he's going to do something, you know. It's yeah. like whether he's yeah. making movies like that's, you know, a different story, but I think there's um or he could pull a Soderbergh and say, "Yo, I'm I'm retiring and like I want to go like paint and do artsy other artsy stuff and then like come back in three years and be like well i'm directing again you know he could say oh i meant i was done directing on film now i'm directing on iphones on video baby (laughs) yeah um some news that i was excited about that lauren sent to us was that sean ashmore Mm. was cast in the boy season two as lamplighter i believe as lamplighter nice so I don't know much about Lamplighter. Um, does is does anybody know? Are his powers fire based? Is that the lamp part of it? That would be my guess. Wow! But so he's going from Iceman. He's going from Iceman to 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 Fireman. <laughs> it's interesting. It's I'm a huge Sean Ashmore fan. Um, I'm a really, I wouldn't call some of these B movies, but I went through a really, uh, strong period of my life where I was really into like those not very good horror movies. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. um, the ruins and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sean Ashmore had a stint of his life where he did a couple of those really bad horror movies. Um, and he did that show called the following, I think with Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. um, Big, big Sean Ashmore fan. So if I wasn't already excited for The Boys season two, which you know that I am. Just, yeah. yeah. Just looking at his filmography right now, I totally forgot that he was in in Frozen. Um, Yeah, dude. One of the worst movies of all time. I really like that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Shut the fuck up, It's not not Not, good. Hold on, hold on. Not not the the animated version, though. No, this is the the, uh, three people get stuck on a ski lift in the middle of a a blizzard and and have to figure out how to survive. Dude, it's not bad. I think it's... Compared to the to the, there was two movies that actually came out this year that were that in 2010 that were very similar. One was uh, Frozen, and the other one was Buried, the Ryan Reynolds mm, yeah. film. And I actually think Buried is a little bit better. But I mean, I liked I own the movie, so nobody freezes to death in that movie. Yeah, that's true. It's called but Frozen. And I think I'm I'm pretty sure that two of them get eaten by wolves and one of them survives. <laughs> one survives. Well, I was gonna call but, Wolven. But they get but they get uh one of them does get frozen, I believe, at some point. I don't I don't I think they both get eaten by wolves, my dude. Yeah, well wolves the wolves are the main the main antagonist, so like yeah. they try to climb. Well, that's the twist. They want you to think everyone's gonna freeze to death and then God, it was JK, so, it was so bad. There are only a few movies in my life that I've almost walked out on, and Frozen was one of them. Really? Did you go see it in a theater? I did, yeah. yeah so did um, 
Funny Games was the other one that I almost walked out of. Oh, so bad. The remake? So bad. Yeah, the remake. Yeah. I put them both on the same quality of shittiness, to be honest, man. I'm yeah. sorry, Taylor. No, what you mean the the uh, Funny Games? Funny or, Games and Frozen, oh. I think, are both equally yeah, as shitty. See I, I like, I, see, I disagree because I think there's actually like a really solid story there, but... If your major gripe is that you don't like the title of the movie, like I don't think that's necessarily a criticism I just, in my mind. <laughs> no, I also just found it really boring. That's that's valid. That's valid. And it, it is a little bit slow at, at points, especially in the second act, but if you didn't if you don't expect to break your legs jumping off like no but i mean yeah you gotta you gotta do something and i think i think in in that respect like the the movie actually delivers in terms of like one location two people are in a ski lift stuck like i don't know i think it's 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 fairly well executed in that regard it's not amazing would you rather freeze to death next to your best friend in a ski lift or go through excruciating pain of breaking your legs and then being eaten by wolves yeah or 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 try to try to cross um to to one of the poles and basically what you're doing is you're grabbing razor wire the whole time so it's Oof. like you know yeah and then what happens to that guy he falls and gets eaten by wolves exactly <laughs> i'd rather just stay in the lift and freeze to death <laughs> yeah um Same. yeah no so uh nevertheless um sean ashmore yeah we oh yeah him. i forgot we were talking about him <laughs> well he's in frozen great that's, actor that's why love the, love the guy <laughs> yeah that movie sucked but god do i love him Yep. Not much to say there. Uh, yeah, excited for the show and for him. It's funny yeah. that these, like, I-, I always find it funny when they say, like, oh, he was cast in the role after, like, production's already begun on the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, uh, I think he was cast probably a long time ago. It's just a matter of when they announce it. And, you know, I I, I definitely see Lamplighter in this season probably being a, having a very, very minor role, almost like, um, who's the Batman guy? What's his name again? Like, the, the uh, Black Noir. Like, you know how Black Noir mm. in season one was just kind of around, but not really a main character? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually really excited to see what they do with Black Noir this season. Because I will say, um, I know in the comics, like, what the reveal of that character is. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see if they actually sort of hint towards that or if they're going in a different direction. I hope they do. Yeah. I'm just a little bit surprised that they didn't announce this, like, as part of the panel. And that he wasn't I, on the panel. I think for they would have. But see, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what makes me think that it's like kind of a minor. minor yeah, because they did role. introduce a new character on the panel. So yeah. true. It would be tough to introduce two new characters on the panel. Well, yep. not necessarily, but if it's not a large enough. Yeah, yeah. Role yeah. to yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, have you guys heard about this uh, Fresh Prince uh, drama <sighs> reboot? God, I yes. mean, yes. But yes, we have. So this is based off that video that was released a few months back, right? That like looked at fresh prints from like a It's a viral forward. video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like they're taking that and t- they're like taking a viral YouTube video and turning it into a fucking series. Yikers Island is all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. It is being executive produced by Will Smith though, and it's being yeah. shopped to HBO Max, Peacock. And when did we start calling them Peacock? I don't like it. And Netflix. Um, well, I hope Netflix doesn't service. buy this. If anybody in the other room is listening. Um, <laughs> fucking God. I, they better not. I think this is such a stupid idea. Well, what about you guys? 
problematic. Yeah, I mean, Fresh Prince was great because they were able to have those dramatic uh, moments and storylines and touch upon important topics. But it's a comedy. Like, it's... I don't... I don't really see the reason of taking like these same characters and making it a drama. Did either of you guys watch the fake trailer? Uh, I feel I like I a, did when it first came out. I did, but because I, I, I did, because yeah. I don't care. Yeah, but I don't like. I'm sure. I'm. So what I'm trying to say is, I'm sure the trailer gave you like a taste of what it would be like. But I just like, what are they gonna? How how is that gonna be a drama? Like. In West Philadelphia, like someone actually gets fucking murdered, and he's like, "Oh, I, I, I actually have to go to Bel Air to escape." Like, yeah, it's like what, the, like, it's yeah. like the theme the song. He's just the the theme song. He's just crying it the whole time. I just <laughs> I mean, I figured it'd just be an operatic piece instead yeah. of a rap. Yeah, that would actually be really interesting if they did it as like a stage play. I, I, you know, for me, like something like that would be way more interesting than just like hmm. redoing the same premise. But with from like, okay. So aside from the fact that um, that a, a dramatic version of that story probably doesn't make sense, especially in today's age, like in the '90s, you know, it's kind of like that makes a little more sense. But you know, the whole thing for me about why Fresh Prince is is works so well is because it was crafted and centers around the personality of Will Smith, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. That with anyone else in that role, it would not work. You know what I mean? It yeah. would maybe work, but it wouldn't be the same level of of, of what that show is. Um, right. No one at that time, exactly. And I just yeah. don't see. I just don't see that again. That show like working with anybody else in, in a modern time. Maybe you find like some up and coming personality who's a, it's just the, the the right fit. But if you're going for a dramatic approach, like I just I don't know. I just don't see that working. Um, I don't see what the, what the story is. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'll watch it. If Will Smith comes back and plays uncle Phil, Ooh, that could be really interesting. Actually, if like, maybe, maybe like he's, he's like the new uncle Phil and like, maybe he has his own family and then, but again, see that, that would be interesting if it were still a comedy, (laughs) but when it's a drama, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, Oh yeah. It's going to be horrible. I don't, I don't see where it's going to go. Yeah. So, hey, they could surprise. Uh, us. I have the answer to that. It's going to go nowhere. <laughs> You're going nowhere. As Bonesaw would say. <laughs> hey, thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Three minutes. Thank of you, Taylor. Time. I was hoping somebody would get that. Oh, of course. Um, okay, we've gone on a long journey talking about. Uh, oh fuck! You know what? That was a horrible segue because that's not what we're going to talk about right now. Um, <laughs> put put that one on uh, on hold for a second. God, we're so, we're. So, we're so professional. It's all good. Um, Disney bought but Fox. We're going to keep everybody. that in. Oh, Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to edit it. Um, <laughs> I, have, yep. I have no desire to, to edit it. Um, <laughs> Disney bought Fox. Taylor, while I go grab another beer, why don't you break down the implications of uh, two, two major things that Disney has done with Fox property uh, since then? Yeah. So uh, let's just say that this week has not been uh, a week of uh, great choices, per se, um, for the company. You know, although they're riding high off the decision to to release. Well, I mean, I guess it's to be decided how that strategy works out. But yeah. for now, they're riding high off the decision to, you know, to release uh, Milan on, on VOD. 
And, um, you know, as Joel mentioned, they were uh, recently acquired 20th Century Fox. If you know anything about the film business, you should be aware of this. If you aren't, we have a uh, previous uh-huh. podcast yep. that explore the issue. Make sure to go check those out if you haven't heard them. Mm-hmm. Uh, plug, plug, plug. Um, basically, after changing the name of 20th, I think they changed it to... Uh, what was it? It was twenty. It wasn't. Tw- it was just like twentieth century studios or something like that. Something. Something really bad. Um, basically, kind of changing the Fox fanfare, uh, which is. Yeah. I mean, it's iconic. You know what I mean? It, it's. There's no other way to put the it. Logo, like the logo on this article just says 20th television. Well, that's yeah. the thing is now they've just changed it to 20th television. So they're taking out the Century and the Fox altogether. And it's like, yeah. I get the Fox aspect, but having that 20th Century, like it still rings of that, you know, that brand that we knew um, while also yeah. being different. I just feel like 20th television, like that, it's it doesn't make any fucking sense from a logical perspective. It's not even going to be channel 20 on your television. (laughs) I just, I feel like, yeah, if they're going to change it, uh, you know, why not just change it completely then? Why Why are you keeping the 20th at all? What, why change it at all? Does that serve? I mean, I get why they're changing it. At least why they took out the Fox. Yeah. Which totally understandable. But, yeah, the, to to then get rid of a century and keep twentieth, I just I don't know. Yeah. So what is it? Just going to be it, it's so it's twentieth television, and then the movie division is going to be what twentieth? Yeah, it? I don't know. Like, yeah, probably. I mean, like you can still call it like twentieth century Fox owned by Disney, or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think most people have the ability to make that distinction. But then yeah. again, you yeah. also have to remember, like, there are also average viewers out there that may not connect the dots or even know that that's a thing. So uh, Trump know. supporters, that's what yeah. you're saying. Well, not just Trump. Well, yes, but also just the average stupid people on the Internet, just average viewers, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure if you if you went up to somebody on the street and you started going, dun, 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 you know, started humming the the 20th century fanfare song, like people would be like, oh, I know what that is. You know what I mean, but they don't prefer necessarily... the recorder version. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I let me let me just give me like five seconds. I'll go get it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, it's tough to say because they they're, they you know obviously they have to be able to rebrand it in a way that differentiates it, but also keeps that um, sort of recognizability or I don't want to even say brand awareness, but you know that recognizability. Um, and yeah, I just think this is like the uh, worst possible way to do that um in terms i of agree with you naming. yeah taylor what's the like second really stupid thing they no, did no, sorry go, lauren go ahead lauren it's okay i was just gonna say they if they had just replaced fox with disney 20th like century 20th disney. century disney or disney's 20th century that would be, be even i that might even be like a bigger shit on their face like why did they do that because that's a way better idea they call it 20th 21st century they're like we're one number bigger than you bitch yeah. Well, at a certain at a certain point, it did change to 21st Century Fox. Um, yeah, I re- I remember that. Yeah, which is weird, but nevertheless, um, yeah. So I, you know, I that was bad. Um, and then on top of that, this week last, we also yeah. yeah we also last learned- week on the podcast, I was saying that I have no desire to buy physical media anymore. Yeah, Taylor loves 
buying physical media. Indeed. Yeah. What did I'm they in the What did they do to you this week, Taylor? Uh, well, so it's a little confusing because we're not exactly sure what the details uh, of this that what the implications of this means. But basically, yeah. um, Disney uh, they didn't necessarily announce, but it, it rumblings, rumors from inside the company. Um, it was revealed that uh, basically they're going to stop producing 4K uh, catalog movies, uh, 4K Blu-ray catalog movies, I should say, like HDR. So, you know, the implication being that, you know, they're still going to produce physical 4K Blu-rays for the bigger franchises, you know, the MCUs, the Star Wars, like all these things. But in terms of the older titles and especially the old Fox titles that they inherited, uh, they're basically ceasing production on 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 4K as a physical format. Um, again, this brings questions as to whether they're gonna um, keep producing DVDs and Blu-rays, which, by God, I hope they do, because yeah. if they don't produce any physical media, that's gonna be a problem. Um, but. Uh, Oh, oh, yeah, you got a trash truck coming around the corner right now, so you'll probably hear that. Um, it's all out as hell. Uh, but, you know, it's, 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 it's problematic. But at the same time, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, uh, for me, it's basically like, okay, shit, like, what do I need to get my hands on before I can't get my hands on it? And, you know, there's yeah. a whole, there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down in terms of, the benefits of physical media over streaming or digital content. But, you know, I think that's, um, that's, that's definitely a larger discussion to be had. That's for another day. Um, but basically I'm not, you know, we're, we're not going to get that 4k fight club. Uh huh. Probably not. Um, yeah. I I mean, everyone was really worried about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh it's it's just uh it's yeah, it's just tough, you know, because there are a lot of there are a lot of, of, of classics that sort of deserve to to be on home video and if they're only gonna be on streaming, you know, that that not only sucks from like an availability perspective, because the big thing about uh, uh physical media these days in 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 the age of streaming is that if you own something digitally or you 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 have something like say for instance Mulan on Disney Plus you've paid the 30 bucks and you own it now you still don't technically own it if the internet goes right. out or they decide they want to pull the movie for whatever reason or there's a legal issue that they have to do like you don't own that movie you know what i mean yeah. if you get a physical copy of something you own that movie no matter what like i can pop these things in whenever i please you know and, and there's something to be said about yeah. that um, not only that, though, but you have superior audio and visual quality um, on a 4K Blu-ray disc as opposed to like a, a 4K streaming or a, what do they what do they call it? Um, like Atmos and you know all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. It, it most people won't notice the difference, but there's actually like a huge. Basically, what happens is is all that information is compressed um, when you stream it, and when it's compressed, it's obviously uh, the the quality of it is lessened, so to speak. Um, and so for me, I can tell the difference, um, you know, on a, on a, on a 4k stream versus an actual 4k disc. But I also spent like 
five years reviewing Blu-rays and stuff like that too. So it's like my senses. That are, is Taylor's main <laughs> job. My, well, no, but uh, it, my senses are attuned to that. You know what I mean? But but nevertheless, um, yeah, it's just a it's just a scary time because it kind of seems like physical media is just starting to go away in general, and yeah, uh, yeah that's 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 scary to me. I didn't buy this fucking expensive 4K HDR television for nothing, okay? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so many facets and nuances to this. Because the thing you have to remember, too, is that most 4K discs actually aren't true native 4K. Because a movie that was made in the 80s, like, 4K wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, there's a certain amount. There's something to be said for the resolution of film, like, that's just so much more dense and... um and filled with information than, than even a digital image these days. And, and to be fair, some of these red cameras and all this shit is like, it's getting really, really good and close to film, but you know, well, um, but you know, there's something to just be, there's just something to be said for like watching, um, an old movie that was shot on film on in 4k, but you know, there's a big gap there, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, like, making that trend. It's, I don't know. I just feel like it's almost like uh, 4K Blu-ray is, like, kind of turning into um, 3D Blu-ray. I don't know if you guys remember this, but mm-hmm. a few years back, like, there, it's the next uh, format shift that they're kind of trying to push. And it sort of ended up yeah. sputtering. So we'll see what happens. But um, at least we still the have issue our Blu-rays. Was porn. porn never got into the 3D sphere. That's why yeah. 3D Blu-rays never took off. Yeah, VR porn, dude. Yeah. VR porn. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that Kodak thing? They like oh, got yes. some sort of government grant yeah. f- to make something. So, and then they do their stock prices like yeah. went up by like all, like 20 fucking times. Yeah. And then and then it was deemed like illegal or some shit. And so the grant got taken away and their stocks dropped back to really? like. Really? Oh, I didn't know it got oh taken gosh. away. Well, it's, it's funny because. The graph. When- the the graph is hilarious. Really? <laughs> no, it's so funny because I was like, how ironic that like COVID might actually be the thing that like saves film as a format. Oh my God. That's well, it's still higher than it was before. Um, well, yeah, for but, now. but essentially Kodak, um, for the is, people who haven't sold yet. Yeah. Kodak is producing the chemical that the solution that, that, um, allows them to, that they have to like the, I don't know what you call it. Like the, is it like an antigen or something like that that goes in, um, the sample to essentially create the chemical reaction that gives a positive or a negative. And so that's what they are essentially um, hired to do. And it's the same shit that they use like uh, to develop film, basically. Like it's that same right. sort of process. So I guess that's how it's correlated for people who aren't aware. It went from like $2 to over $30 in one day. Damn. Like, Obviously, not a lot of people owned the stock, or it would have, you know, not been only two dollars. But can you imagine mm-hmm. owning fucking some sort of Kodak stock, and then you're just like, "I'm rich for a day." Yeah, yeah, because you probably didn't sell, and now you're not rich anymore. <laughs> oh man! Speaking yeah. of Disney making terrible decisions, Taylor, mm. there's this little place called Disney World. Oh my god! That's still open. But aren't they, aren't they making it at least a little bit safer for their employees, Taylor? Well, that's the word on the street. Yeah, what's the news we got over from fucking Florida? <laughs> um. Well, Lauren, do you wanna, do you wanna take this one or? Um. Sure. I mean, basically, what we found out is that they're testing employees uh, on a daily basis. I believe. 
They opened a, uh, like a testing site at yeah, at yeah, Disney World. On-site Disney testing World. center. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, you know, that's great because, you know, it kind of falls in line with the rest of the entertainment uh, regulations as far as film sets go and everything. So, like, good that you're looking out for them in that instance. But at the same time, you're not testing guests every day so i don't really mm. see what the purpose of that is except to maybe catch it sooner if there is any sort of outbreak yeah um i just uh you know again i don't especially in florida do not think that uh parks should be open so i almost in a sense feel like it's also a waste of resources at the same time oh Absolutely. my god so much so if you need a testing on like if you need a testing facility on site to test your employees every day guess what you shouldn't be open yeah yeah and a story in my opinion mm-hmm. look i know i know i know all the redneck tourists really want to go for their 40th wedding anniversary <laughs> disney world and eat fucking dole whip and churros Dude, just die peacefully at home. Disney World is way too expensive for the redneck 40th anniversary. (laughs) They definitely have only the budget to go to Universal Studios. Copy that. Copy that. I just just, shouldn't be open. Yeah, I I I, like any other diehard Disney fan wish I could go to Disneyland right now. I've had to drive down to Orange County twice in the last couple of weeks. And every time we passed Disneyland, I was just at the window. like <laughs> I see the Matterhorn. Yeah. I want to go. Um, face pressed up against the glass. Yeah, pretty much the first time. Because it's just been so long <laughs> yeah. since, you know, I had that sighting. It's, you know, it's always yeah. exciting. Even Neither. from when my mom was a kid and just like driving down and seeing the Matterhorn from the freeway. Yep. Um, yeah. But... You know, I actually have to call Disney and cancel my pass this week. So, no, you know, Oof. because we don't know when the park's going to open back up. Yeah. And that's really for the best. You yeah. know, Disney, it will be there. I have, I, I don't think that it, it will be gone <laughs> when we go back to normal. It might change, it might be different, but I don't think they're going to go anywhere. And, we'll get back sooner if we don't go now. Totally. Well, and it also comes down to like trust, you know, you want to trust that the company is like, has the right uh, intentions in mind, if you will, you know what I mean? Because it's like people go there and they get sick and it's like, well, you should have just closed down first place and you put people's in lie people's lives in danger. Not only that, but the employees as well, just to make a quick buck. Like that's not going to bode well for the company, you know, like, yeah. Um, you know, and obviously like there's always going to be hardcore Disney people that will support Disney no matter what because they're Disney. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just feel like sending the right message and and you know, doing it the right way um s- says a lot more about sort of the uh, making people feel safe and making people feel comfortable to g- eventually go back to a place like this because you know, you have to remember, especially like with even with movie theaters, like we've been kind of talking about, it's going to be a slow transition back yeah. to getting a sense of normalcy again and doing the things we used to do socially, 
you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And definitely, I just feel like trying to just the company's just like gung ho about we got to open up. It's all going to go back to normal once we open up. Like, no, no, it's that's it's it's not. So I just you know I wish there was a little why bit more. Why would you spend? Why would you spend all your money going to Disney World when you could just stay home and give them thirty dollars to watch Mulan? <laughs> I mean. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I just wish they had a little more tact, um, I guess, in like trying to deal with this in um, a way that makes sense for the company, but also like they don't have tact. They're charging thirty dollars for Mulan. Well, I mean, you, you can also watch it up to on up to ten devices, and multiple people can stream it, and all this and that. So, like, you know, again, there's there's nuance to that discussion. But listen to last week's episode <laughs> if you want to hear more. Hey, plug. <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah, well, I mean, know, essentially, I think we're all in agreement on this that it's yeah, yeah, and uh, in the end, it's pointless, and you should just close the park. Sorry. Yep. Sorry, you Disney tryhards. Sorry, Lauren. Um, look, Rude. here's a little bit of good news for you guys. Last, not last episode, the Comic Con episode. I think we talked a little bit about G4 Television coming back. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know the the nerdy video game channel of yesteryear um, from from my middle school high school days. It's coming back, and one of the biggest personalities from that channel got her start there. Now a movie star, Olivia Munn, is in talks to come back to G Four and retake her mantle as geek queen of television. Um, I'm stoked on this. If they if this becomes a trend and they get like Kevin Pereira back, um, I think G4 is really shaping up to be uh, something cool, something special like it used to be. Yeah, I think that's exciting. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, I, 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 uh, I can't say that I didn't see this coming because this is not really that surprising. But like you said, also, also exciting at the same time because it means that G4 will hopefully sort of um, if not return to its former glory, be sort of a shadow of its former self in, yeah. in a in a good way, in a good way. So yeah, it it seems like it's stepping in the right direction to bring the quality back. Yeah, I mean, they very could have easily gone on Instagram and looked up, you know, people with mm-hmm. like forty thousand Instagram followers and been like, oh, yeah, we'll put you on TV. Yeah. Um, you know what? It looks like they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Well, what I would really love to see is like um, kind of like the people that we follow, like the the sort of personalities, you know, that 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 are up and coming these days. Like you know, the people like, um, for instance, like Roxy. You know, like these up and coming sort of uh, video personalities, like actually getting an opportunity to 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 be a part of G four now. You know, like that. Yeah. There's this really good one called I'm the LA Nerd. You guys should check them out on yeah, Instagram. And, well, that's uh, yeah. YouTube. Exactly. Also and at underscore Miss Pixie underscore <laughs> if you want some female vibes yeah. in there. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much anybody on this podcast, I think. Honestly. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's you know, not a whole lot of news there. We're, yeah. you know, she hasn't been confirmed. It's just in talks. We'll see if she accepts if the talks are even real. Uh when it, when G four plans on coming back, mm-hmm. how we're gonna be able to watch it. I feel like they have to have some kind of a streaming option, right? Not like there's so many people don't have cable these days. Um, and even when you did have cable, like G4 was such a hard channel to get a hold of. Like yeah. it had to be a part of your package. Not everybody had it. I had to watch it at a friend's house. Yeah. Um, so as more on this comes out, we'll obviously talk about it more. 
Yeah. Um, but on to maybe the smallest bit of news, but obviously the main topic because I'm the host. Um, Spider-Man 3 is reportedly going to be titled Spider-Man Homesick. Now, I Lauren pointed out before the show that I'm pretty sure we called this shit a long time ago. Um, when we, when it definitely we, felt very familiar yeah, when we <laughs> after did our, Far From Home. Yeah, when we did our Far From Home review, I believe we, we threw out a few titles. And I haven't gone back to listen, but I'm pretty sure that that was one of them. I can't remember which one of us said it, but... But, um... But yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter which one, we still get the credit. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. That's that's neither here nor there. But um, it was, you know, it was over a year ago. Our brains are fuzzy. Has it been fine. over? Holy shit, it has. It wow. has yeah. That movie feels yeah. so much longer, so much further away from us than a year ago. I don't so know why. Maybe it's just because 2020 has felt like three years combined into that's one. That's true. But that's true. Um. What were we do? What were we doing that night? Because we ended up at BJ's to get beers before we went and saw it, but we I were just, doing something else before that. Uh, you, you guys, I met you guys at BJ's. I was at work. Yeah. Oh really? I was working on Apollo. That's why we were in Pasadena. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, homesick. Um, look, the implications are not look not not good for me. I. You know, we all are speculating Craven seems to be maybe with this title almost confirmed, even though there hasn't been any casting confirmation or story confirmation. But homesick leads me to believe that he's on the run, you know, as he would be Mm -hmm. hiding from Hunter or Craven the Hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we still not going to get the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? We got a little tease of him in New York at the end of Far From Home. But other than that, we haven't gotten Spider-Man in New York, in Manhattan, yeah. you know, doing the swinging around. If he has to go on the run, again, like in this movie, are we again not going to get New York Spider-Man? Lauren, do you have thoughts? True. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Um the only thing that I could think we might still get him at the beginning. True. You know, it could be a lot of Spider-Man in New York and then he has to leave at the end. And then the homesick part portion comes into the end of the film. And maybe like we've said before, leads up to sinister stick, sinister, sinister six, um, or, or more of those along the line in the, in the following film. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, so like I, I think that especially with the tease at the end, they they have to have Spider Man in Manhattan and at some point in the movie, you know, whether it's the climax or the first act or whatever, like there's gonna be some Spider Man in New York. And it, for yeah. me, I look at it as, as not necessarily Joel. You said like someone who's like a like Spidey's on the run type of thing. Like right. I look at it and and maybe they're correlated, but like I look at it more as like Spidey's in hiding as opposed to being on the run. Maybe at some point he has to go on the run, you know, when he's discovered or, you know, they bumps into Craven, however that happens, you know, um, if, if he of course ends up being the villain, but you know, I could see it very much as like, a, like an in hiding movie where it's like, maybe he like it starts out where he's not in New York and he's, he is on the run, but he has to sort of like come back 
um, you know, whether it be to infiltrate Oscorp or, you know, do this or do like that. You could do a bunch of really fun stuff with that where it's where it's kind of like him in hiding, um, especially yeah. Peter in hiding, which we've never really seen. You know what I mean? Um, in, in one of these Spider-Man movies. So. um so yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's all pretty much speculation at this point, but it's still fun to to speculate nevertheless. Absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like in 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 the comic books there's been a lot of like Peter Parker fighting and doing things without his suit. Um and I feel like because the, a lot of the abilities built into the suit have kind of made Peter reliant on them where like we're never going to not get him out of the suit because i feel like he mm. needs it you, you know what i mean but like now that his secret identity is exposed it would be cooler to just see like a peter parker like using all of his like spider-man abilities like not in the suit because he doesn't have to hide anymore yeah yeah but he's relying sure. i feel like on a lot of those uh you know like the what's the friday is in the suit right no yeah. uh he he calls it um, Karen? I can't Edith. remember. Not Karen. Isn't it Edith? No, that's no. those are the glasses. Oh, that's right. Um, it's Karen. I'm pretty sure it's Karen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, uh, I think, I think the, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, there's a lot of different, uh, different ways that, um, that this movie could go down. But I think for me, um, what this harkens back to actually is, is kind of like. And I know, I know you're gonna hate this when I say it, Joel. But just bear with me here. Is it kind of reminds me of of what they tried to do with Iron Man three, um, and oh, whether God. and what you, you thought it was gonna go <laughs> X. Worse. You thought it was gonna go it's X even worse 3. than what I, I I did. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I, Iron Man three is really interesting in the sense that, like, you know, say what you will about that movie, but the big thing that Feige and everybody were going for, the idea they wanted to sort of uh, encapsulate with that movie was. The idea of putting Tony back in the cave, right? When yeah. when you have no suit, you have no powers. All you have is your your wit and your intellect, um, and maybe a few. But they ab- did that abilities. in Spider Man Homecoming, and like, so I guess I kind of got what I already asked for. But like, he still had to be in, like he still had to wear like his homemade suit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but they kind of tried that, like without the suit are you anything well um, and i think i think like that's a like you know a metaphorical and thematic question like what actually happens when you don't have the suit like are you still spider-man you know what i mean those are things yeah. that could be really interesting and and take peter into into a far more um sort of depthy place than than even the first uh, two films in the series and could really kind of be that way to like um sort of test the character in a meaningful way and have them grow but see again the problem with iron man 3 like this could potentially be a problem with spider-man homesick or spider-man 3 whatever you want to call it um is the idea that after iron man 3 and you get you know you you do iron man 3 and you get to avengers a lot of that character work is like essentially nullified uh, and reversed, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of actually my, one of my bigger gripes with Iron Man three is it makes it kind of not necessarily meaningless, but it holds a lot mm-hmm. less weight when, you know, like for instance, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, those of you who are listening spoilers for Iron Man three at the end, he has the arc reactor taken out, you know, and he's like, I, he's still Iron Man, but he's not really Iron Man. 
you know, we get to the next th- uh, to the next movie and he has an arc reactor again. You know, it's not actually attached to his body, but it's yeah. that's it's it's that old idea. Like, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, Joel, like the illusion of change. Right. Like that was something. Retconning. With, well, it yeah. was something with Stan Lee, like um, and Marvel Comics in general from the 60s onward is this idea of the illusion of change. You know, you have a story. They seem to change, but that character keeps going on and growing. And, you know, whether those things actually uh, come through the run itself it's that same idea and yeah. so that's what i worry about um with spider-man 3 i guess uh but we'll see you know again it's 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 so early we don't really know anything um other than maybe joel kinnaman is in the running for craven which is perhaps like the worst casting choice like yeah it's it, been some casting rumors i wouldn't feels, i wouldn't take it seriously it feels fake yeah. because marvel's casting is fucking always a plus spot on and it just does not feel like something that fits and i feel like when it comes from marvel casting we always hear of some kind of a short list first yeah that's you know what i mean then it's like narrowed down to two people yeah and it's like just to say like oh joel kinnaman is craven the hunter it's like no he's not well they could they could they're not saying he is but they're saying like oh you know he could be in the running or they're he's their top pick or whatever you know Again, there's always the execs, and then there's the filmmakers and the producers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Can can we can we say with almost complete certainty that this, if if this is the title, we can we can be sure that Craven the Hunter is going to be the bad guy. I mean, it's most likely. It's yeah. I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion because nothing is. As far as we're concerned, nothing is set in stone yet. Um, I'm sure they probably have an idea of, of what they're doing in the story they want to tell. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's probably like a 90% chance that Craven will be involved somehow. You know, whether he's the main villain or a tertiary villain, that's up in the air. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but yeah I, I would say it's, it's a good chance he's going to be in the movie. I dig it, man. We're getting all these characters that we didn't think we'd ever get, like Mysterio and Craven the Hunter. It's a good time to be a Spider-Man fan, as you can. Yeah. You guys can't see it, but Taylor's wearing a Spider-Man T-shirt right Indeed. now. <laughs> classic. And I'm uh, sitting classic. in front of a Spider-Man poster. Yeah. Indeed, classic Indeed. '90s logo design from the animated show. Nice. Yep. Oh god, um, so good. I know that that show is still so kick-ass. And actually, like one of the first shows to actually use uh, digital um, digital technology CGI um, to oh, wow. to help make it. It's it's actually like really really bad objectively in retrospect but yeah but you know like you also have to understand like the time in which it was made and that this technology was essentially like brand new and stuff sure um speaking of spider-man what do we know about morbius right now is that shit coming out still (laughs) i would would assume not um pretty much everything in 2020 has like been pushed to 2021 so if anything i can kind of I, I, I would I would bet that they're going to try to push it out next year if if um if that is unless the, if the pandemic continues um, and theaters have to stay shut. Down. See now, Morbius is the perfect PVOD movie, man. You know what I mean? Like I don't give two I don't give enough of a shit about it to complain that it's not in theaters, but I want to see it enough that I would pay money to see it. So you'd pay thirty bucks? Well, no, you and I would each pay fifteen. No, this is a hypothetical. Would you pay 30 bucks? Like, not considering that we can split it? No, I wouldn't pay 30 bucks, but I would but find someone 15? else to split the movie with. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, to in be any fair, In, in any scenario, that. I'm going to find someone to split the movie with. 
Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, do you think that the Morbius movie is going to have any connection to um, to the the Holland verse or the MCU? I guess if you will. I I mean we've oh god we've talked about this to extent. Let's dive deeper, shall we? Yeah. Um, Taylor, what's our runtime at right now? <laughs> About 116. We're, we're good. No, that's not. We're good. That's not. That's not. Well, welcome to the Spider-Man cast, everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. The next yeah, 45 um, minutes of Spider-Man cast. <laughs> Look, I think I think having Michael Keaton in that trailer in Morbius 100% ties it to the Holland verse, and I think it's going to happen. I think they are building to a Sinister Six type deal, like Lauren had said earlier. Um, Bringing Craven in, I think, is only going to lead the way to tie everybody together. Yeah. He's the he's because he's the hunter, you know. He's he's the best hunter. He's got to get intel on Spider Man. Who's going to have intel on Spider Man? People he's already fought, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're going to bring in Michael Keaton. We're going to bring in Jake Gyllenhaal. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And if if the Morbius movie ever fucking happens. Um, presumably the vulture will have had contact with him already you know what i mean yeah. to bring him in so i do well, i do think that it'll it'll tie in yeah and i think that's definitely like a foregone conclusion i guess maybe i what i meant was like do you think that that the morbius movie will actually hint at what is going to happen in the third spider-man film like obviously it's it's pretty much confirmed that it's going to be a part of the mcu but like do you think it will actually have any effect on that film you know the, the the events of morbius if you will if anything probably the ending yeah um, like maybe a tag yeah. or tag or something because it is i think mostly a morbius like um origin story yeah. right there's probably not enough room to put that in there anywhere i feel like a lot of the beginning of the movie probably tom holland's not even born yet um <laughs> i mean or or or, or he's ex- <laughs> you know extremely young yeah, yeah. um but I think the ending, especially, and I'm not convinced that Michael Keaton is the end credit scene. I think he might be in maybe like the third act. See, that, um, that was going to be my next question is like, will you be disappointed if he's only in the end credit scene and not like doesn't play into the plot of the movie? I think it would be a weird thing to put into a trailer if it's the end credit scene. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe there's one scene in the movie, but you know, like other, like uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is where, where the vulture doesn't necessarily like affect the plot of the movie. Uh, right. No, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I just have to believe that to get more Spider-Man for the MCU, Disney had to throw them some kind of bone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah, we'll put fucking Morbius in, fucking spider-man 3 or whatever like they had to sweeten the pot because Mm -hmm. the ball was 100 percent in sony's court like disney wasn't like when that deal fell through last year Mm -hmm. it was like sony had all the chips was it gonna suck for all the fans of course it was but we know sony they don't fucking care about that yeah um it was all in their court so disney had to do something to like Sweeten the sweeten the pot to a make bit. it worth it to them, yeah, for sure. So I I I think if more if Morbius isn't in Spider Man three directly to deal with Craven, he's gonna somewhere in the MCU. We're gonna see Jared Leto, unfortunately. Yeah, Ew. yeah. Oh, what was that? Uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of, uh, I guess uh, oh, on a yeah. tangent. Uh, we also heard no, that no, no, we're we're done with the news part. I, well, well, no, we're still <laughs> talking about news right now. Come on, um, no. Well, we heard that, that that a Tron Legacy sequel is finally happening with Jared Leto. 
starring. And, yes. and by the way, uh, I, I did learn that because um, we were kind of talking about this over text before the podcast. But uh, just so you guys know, I did learn that it's basically a reboot. Um, and oh, it, it is a reboot. Yeah, they're kind of looking at it as a mm. reboot, and it's not really going to have like any correlation to Tron Legacy. Which so what you're saying is that dumb. with this next reboot, I am no longer Tron Canon. Maybe I don't know. Why. Right. Oh well, yeah, exactly. I'm no yeah. longer a part of the 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 res room or whatever the yeah. fuck they call well, it. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, it's still a, okay. So like, here's the thing: is they? I think it was. 2010, 2011 or 12, 2013, 2015, 2017, and now 2020, they've all made announcements that, oh, Tron, another Tron movie's in the works. So it's like I take this <laughs> shit with a grain of salt. But there That's is true. there is a draft um, according to, I think it was, was it THR that broke it or Deadline? I can't remember. Whatever trade broke it. There is a draft. Uh, uh, deadline. De- yeah, okay, that's what I thought. And um, the director of Lion, the, the film Lion, yeah, Dev, uh, the Dev Patel film, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, actually got a Best Picture nom a few years I back. I sure too. do love Dev Patel. Yeah, and uh, he's gonna in, uh, been positioned to direct it, I guess, if you will. So we'll see what happens with this. But um, fucking did Jared- the first two Tron movies not do well theatrically? It, like, uh, why do they take so long to? Tron Legacy was not as big of a hit as Disney yeah. wanted it to be, especially because that movie was like two hundred million dollars. Jesus, um, fuck. and I mean, like it had like a fifty million dollar opening weekend, which is good, but for a big, like it was essentially designed as a summer blockbuster, which actually came right. out on near Christmas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't like. There needs to be a really strong reason to have a third Tron sequel or a second Tron sequel, I guess, if you will. And, you know, as much as I do want to see that, like, I just don't see a reason to reboot it with Jared Leto. Like, I would much rather see those legacy characters come back, Um, you know. Oh, you mean really poorly done, de-aged uh well what's uh, not jeff bridges um, well i mean like, they're <laughs> legacy characters now but like you know um olivia wilde and people mm. like michael sheen that's um, true michael sheen is, is is amazing in that movie he's he's so freaking over the top and self-aware over the top it's it's incredible but um but even people like killian murphy who were essentially like i told you guys set up as the villain for the sequel yeah um you know i would just love to see that story continue but um hey I guess I'm not the target audience for this movie. I mean, (laughs) I haven't seen them, but I would rather, if it's a reboot, have anyone but Jared Leto for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, I like Jared Leto. I just don't think this is the right project for him. He's also just a very problematic human. So, well, no, he's going to. He's gonna he's gonna go full method on this one and 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 uh, and have a laser derez himself into a computer. So that's fine. Stay in the yeah. and, then he can be, and then he can be gone forever. Implant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Uh, Neuralink, man, that shit is fascinating. I'm, I am amazed by Neuralink. It's crazy. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm just, not gonna. Get I just it. had to shout out Elon Musk in this episode so that we'll get more listeners. Your mom, your mom is freaked out about that shit on the internet, Taylor. Oh, I know. I, I told her, I showed it to her. I was like, "Mom, this is fucking wild. You need to see what's going on." But she really likes Elon and like everything that he's doing yeah. in terms of like you know being a um, a pioneer and stuff like that um, for 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 civilization. Well, for rich people. 
Well, no, I mean like the SpaceX stuff, you know. Uh, like, there's definitely yeah, he's take all the rich people to Mars and leave us behind. <laughs> there's problematic. You know what? Maybe that would be for the best at this point, though. <laughs> well, no, they ruin the Earth. Yeah. to do that. It's and, like uh, uh, it's like that movie Elysium. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, back to Spider Man. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to say about this. Honestly, um, <laughs> the um, long the long standing rumor is that they want Tom for three different trilogies, right? High school trilogy, college trilogy, adult trilogy. Yeah. I'd be down for that. Um, do we? Is it too like we, we're all hoping we get this like Sinister Six movie? soon or if we're not hoping it it seems to be alluded to mm-hmm. are we are are we blowing the wad too soon if we're gonna have fucking seven more of these movies um do we wait until norman is introduced maybe in the second trilogy when he's in college or you know do do we wait for the sinister six later or is this i feel like the sinister six shouldn't be spider-man's first ultimate challenge you know what i mean well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Sinister Six is coming anytime soon. I think yeah. we might get introduced to all of them, but as far as the overall team up, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Yeah, um, especially given the current slate at Marvel. Right. Um, I I would think either, like we like we talked about last time with with the Far From Home podcast, um, you know, dropping one in one in at a time over the next several films because we still got quite a few left. Um, and then potentially in between that, throwing in some other people. Yeah. Um, we've also heard rumors of, of young Avengers potentially. So, you know, he could get more experience doing that. Mm -hmm. And then we still have, you know, come back to Sinister Six in his individual films. Yeah. I would say the only issue with like Spider-Man being in this MCU like timeline is that it is like you said, like it's so scheduled, you know what I mean? Like where does the sinister six film fit in with this yeah. like cosmic universe where like, or like the multiverse that we're building with the MCU, you know what I mean? Like as much as I don't want like a Spider-Man standalone film made by Sony. Cause those are always like really bad, <laughs> obviously. Um, like, yeah. Like I just want, at some point I'm going to want this like sinister six movie, but is, could that ever fit in to the MCU? I think it can down the line. I'm sure it can in the next next phase or so. Yeah. Not yeah. not the upcoming, but after. I, I mean it's 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 difficult too because like you have to remember that Sinister Six is technically a Sony property, even though they're kind of like sharing it with the MCU. So it's like yeah. there are two um there are two sort of uh philosophies at play there in terms of Sony versus Disney and Marvel. But um but yeah, I think there's definitely I think there's definitely room for it. And the way the way I would look at it, especially if they're going for three trilogies, is like each trilogy is an act to the larger story. Yeah. And for me, I see the the Sinister Six kind of being like either the 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 act two breaks so or like you you literally have two trilogies to set up all those members and connect them, which makes sense because with six people you could literally do one per film. Uh, yeah. Or at the beginning of the third act, which would be the third trilogy, like just make that third trilogy all about the Sinister Six, six, you know, and uh, you obviously have the Spider-Man elements, but, you know, like, for instance, the first movie in the tri- th- third trilogy could like be them sort of coming together. The second movie is like sort of his, uh, you know, defeat by them. Yeah. And then the third movie is overcoming all that. And, you know, again, you could you could do a lot of different things with this, but 
Um, I think it's definitely in the cards. I think it's def. It's, it's yeah, and I go ahead. Oh, sorry, Taylor. I didn't mean no, to I was going to say it's 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 not not a possibility. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of think of it as like a Venn diagram where you have the MCU, you have Sony, and Tom is the overlap. Mm-hmm. So like we're getting you know Morbius and and some more of these spider verse mm-hmm. uh, kind of extensions venom you know a- along that side and i think tom just is kind of bridging the gap so i i mm-hmm. think maybe it might not necessarily fully tie into the mcu but i think i think it'll happen tangentially at the very yeah. least yeah so you think it'll be a sony movie and not a disney movie it'll be a sony movie yeah just like yeah, the Spider-Man probably. movies, they're, they're, they're technically yeah. so it's gonna suck. Great, they're technically Sony movies that like are kind of like semi-distributed by Disney, yeah. but like yeah. basically Sony is the distributor. True that. I okay, mean, as long as they're going on the same, you know, yeah, wave as Tom's previous movies, mm-hmm. it's fine if it's yeah. still Sony in my book. Yeah, as long as they so. keep that continuity. I guess is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still having that kind of Marvel oversight. Yeah, exactly. So. We'll see how it turns out in 50 years when the coronavirus is over. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, Sin- for listening. To the- comes out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Pop Pop, the Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, Taylor, where can everybody find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at Taylor Salen on Twitter. That's easy. What about you, Lauren? I am at underscore Miss Pixie underscore on Instagram. Uh, also follow at Boomstick Theater on Instagram and Twitter. We are nice. filming some new theater for you this weekend. So yeah. we'll have some exciting updates is, in how, the next few weeks. How does that work? Just out of curiosity, is that like you guys just doing performances like over Zoom or is it like a live performance that's like streamed? Like. So uh, the last project we did was a live performance that was streamed. It was a one-man show. Um, So it was fully produced in a soundstage so everyone could be safely safely distanced. Um, This one in particular is a larger cast. So it will all be recorded individually from home and put together for the stream. Hell yeah, that's great. But uh, it's it's nerdy, I'll say that. (laughs) Well, I mean... I would expect I, I think our fans exciting. will enjoy. I would it. expect nothing less. Yeah. It is really great to have new content during these times, isn't it? Indeed. Yes. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at I'm the LA Nerd, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and follow Fan Theory TV on YouTube if you want to see me watch some Firefly coming soon this month. Mm. Uh, reaction channels are all the rage. And if you like Firefly and you like me, what more could you ask for? Thank you all so much for listening. Later, nerds. Bye. Peace.